0: This is Innovating a Bright Future. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Avery Krywalt, with Innovating a Bright Future, where I walk you through the innovative and revolutionary technology driving climate action and laying the foundation for a sustainable future. First of all, apologies for the audio. My voice seems to have gone on a little vacation, but we're still going to make the most of it anyways. This week's episode is a fun one, because we've touched on hydrogen multiple times over the first two seasons of this show. One of our first episodes was on how hydrogen systems work. Today we are taking another look. Not only a look at how we can create and use hydrogen, but how we can integrate hydrogen with other systems like carbon capture, so that we can effectively replace fossil fuels with all new hydrogen-based fuel stacks. Joining me to discuss this fascinating topic is Eduardo Pereira from Clear Energy. Big thank you to Eduardo for joining me today. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy. Now welcome Eduardo Pereira, you are a project manager at Clear Energy, and in the past we have taken a look at what hydrogen is, how it works, and the basis of the technology. Today we are looking at the bigger picture. Clear Energy is a company that focuses on the implementation of renewable energy, efficiency measures and hydrogen. So today we're going to look at what it takes to implement hydrogen, what is standing in its way, and what we can do to push that forward. What else can you tell me about yourself and the vision of Clear Energy?
1: Okay, thanks so much uh, for the opportunity, Avery. It's an honor to be able to discuss fuel transition with you. Being a young man, the future generation for this uh, fuel transition, our mission at Clear Energy on this issue is uh, energy storage. This is something that uh, we embraced. We opened this uh, startup company. Due to, you know, today something horrible is happening. We foresee the, the, the these problems with energy, natural gas and uh, fossil fuels, carbon emissions. And so we embraced the, the challenge for energy storage, chemical uh, as batteries and uh, fuels.
0: Alright, sounds good. So it sounds like you guys are utilizing hydrogen as an energy storage unit, not only for things like grid scale storage, but also for fuels and mobility like cars, trains, and planes, that kind of stuff. Our discussion is going to focus on the big picture for hydrogen. Can you lay out what you envision for the future of our energy system? Where is our energy going to come from? How will we store it? And how will we use it? And how does all of that relate to sustainability?
1: Let me start by saying that one important issue that most of us uh, forget, hydrogen has always been part of fuels. okay Any fuel has hydrogen I- in it. Nevertheless, because the technology are, are different within this third tra- transition, we need to step and phase out and phase in the new fuels. But, uh, I believe that uh, there there will be two main steps. The first of all, uh, we need to change all fossil fuels by e-fuels, because it's uh, unrealistic to think that we could change from fo- from fossil burning equipment to full electric equipments overnight. So that's that's uh, unreasonable. You know, it's it's impossible. To start with, we will need e-fuels similar to fossil fuels, but uh, man-made from green hydrogen together with carbon. Uh, that we can capture uh, after burn or uh, f- directly from the air, uh, these uh, fuels that uh, human made can be implemented in internal combustion engines and furnaces for for the time being, because all also I believe these e fuels are, are good hydrogen carriers themselves, and I believe these fuels will be uh, useful in the in the future. Because carbon is here, humanity will not get rid of carbon, so why not create a circular carbon economy, okay? So use the carbon to produce these fuels together with hydrogen and use this carbon to carry the hydrogen because hydrogen has a problem of transportation and storage. Fuels based on carbon are natural hydrogen carriers. Biofuels, mainly methane gas, comes off of the uh, gasification of waste. It can be urban waste or rural waste, vegetable waste, yeah? So, this, this methane uh, is a gas, so it's a biogas. This is a bio- biofuel, the methane itself. With the technology, you can add hydrogen to this methane. With this hydrogen, to, with the methane, methane and hydrogen, you can create uh, methanol, which I believe will be a solution uh, for shipping, which is a, a sector which I am also involved in shipping. Methanol is very; uh, it will be very useful for heavy-duty machinery. So uh, methane from waste, and then you add, add hydrogen. And then you get uh, methanol or other jet fuel or diesel, you know, all these varieties of fuels.
0: So that methanol or that jet fuel, is that an e-fuel?
1: Yes, uh, e-fuel because you add hydrogen to to the methane. Or you can uh, produce e-fuel directly from hydrogen. Let's say you don't have waste, okay? to gasify, you can produce heat fuel directly from hydrogen and directly adding carbon to this uh, hydrogen. So you can produce methanol or or methane from both ways, by uh, gasification of the waste or directly from adding chemically and electrically the hydrogen to carbon, yeah?
0: Okay. I'm just going to summarize here so that I completely understand. It sounds to me like an e-fuel is a synthetic fuel that we're able to create without the use of refining fossil fuels. So that can come from biofuels, or it can come from hydrogen and carbon capture that we've captured from the air. And then we can use these fuels, I imagine the hope is, that we can use these fuels the exact same way that we use fossil fuels.
1: Yes, that, 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 that is correct. Diesel, synthetic diesel, for instance, uh, it's not so good as fossil diesel. Because of what? The temperature of synthetic diesel, because it does not have the sulfide, the sulfur, it does not sustain low temperatures. It goes uh, blendy, the synthetic diesel.
0: Okay, so quick side note. I decided to see if I could find any more information on what exactly he meant by going blendy when synthetic diesel is in a cold environment. I couldn't find much, so I'm going to invite you to reach out and let me know what exactly that means if you're an expert on the topic. And for now, I'm just going to take Eduardo's word on it that synthetic fuels can be less effective than fossil fuels in certain scenarios, one of them being in cold temperatures.
1: So there are some few things that we will not be able to accomplish. We cannot fabricate directly uh, equal to equal burning characteristics of fossil fuels. But nevertheless, methanol, very nice. is very good. I have already uh, experiences in my fleet and my uh, vans and cars with uh, a changing from diesel to methanol. Together with water, I mean, we blend with water, it's uh, M85 or uh, M80.
0: Another quick side note I had no idea what Eduardo meant by M80 or M85, and it turns out it's just the octane rating of your fuel. So the big 80 whatever numbers you press when you select what kind of gas you want if you still have an internal combustion car. The higher the octane rating, the more power you can get out of the fuel but the bigger the catalyst it needs to release its energy. I'm fairly sure that's right. Again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong.
1: And it's very nice uh, to see the results instead of using fossil diesel.
0: Okay, so it's not identical in every case, but would you say that in most cases it would be quote-unquote close enough? Like, eventually, we will be able to couple these e-fuels with things like batteries and hydrogen so that we can formulate a system that is equal to or better than fossil fuels?
1: Yes. I mean, uh, yes, the the biofuels and the e-fuels will play a key role alongside hydrogen because everybody now speaks about hydrogen. I mean, a lot of people speak about hydrogen. But the biofuels and e-fuels will play a long key role alongside the hydrogen because they are a natural and efficient hydrogen carrier. Hydrogen, as you, as you heard, is very difficult to store, very difficult to, to transport. These uh, biofuels and e-fuels, because they have a lot of concentration of uh, hi- hydrogen themselves, you know, naturally, and they are easy to handle, especially methanol, it will accompany human humankind for many years, methanol. Batteries are uh, another thing, another talk. I don't know if you want to get into this subject.
0: Well, we can talk about that a little bit. But the main thing is, since you're so focused on the hydrogen industry, is if you could just illustrate the advantages and disadvantages of batteries compared to hydrogen and e-fuel. What are the differences there?
1: We will never get rid of batteries, we will always need batteries and and they will always be useful. Uh, Let me say that more than 90% of the future machinery will be uh, electric powered. More than. I'm not saying 95%, but more than 90%. And so uh, batteries will always be part of hydrogen systems, but part as buffer power of the systems. As they are today in traditional cars, for example, your, in your uh, automobile, if it is traditional, if it's not electric yet, for your wipers, window wipers, you need the battery. Yeah. So it, it's going. It's going to be the same. The batteries will supply you the power, and hydrogen fuel cells will f- fill up the, the the batteries. Yeah. So batteries are uh, fine and. The better the battery, the the more useful it will be. But, you know, there's a, as the Americans say, $1 million question is, from which power setting will the hydrogen be the better solution and consider a surplus? I mean, let me say, you have a a computer. The best solution is a battery, period. You have a a car. Okay, that's a medium uh, power uh, solution. You can have batteries, it can have a small fuel cell to load up the batteries, or you can have a ship. The ship is the other way around. You you can have a battery just to supply the in, the motors, but you'll need a very high power fuel cells to sustain the power of the battery. You understand, Ma, the settings of the powers and the autonomy?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, is it a reasonable conclusion to say that for a high-output, high-power application like overseas transport, hydrogen is the best option? And if so, why is that?
1: Yes, I mean the hydrogen blended together with the carbon, the the methanol, because methanol you can pump it directly into the vessel. The one thing I heard, I learned in the U.S. Navy is is a so-called sailor-proof solutions, you know, sailor-proof systems. And the sailor-proof system, you cannot have hydrogen on uh, high pressure in, in the vessel because there will be an accident. And you cannot have uh, ammonia in, an, in a vessel because there will be an accident. If you have ammonia uh, drop in the middle of the ocean uh, the, with a the ship loaded with the containers, there will be a huge accident. So the best thing is methanol. And the methanol will carry the hydrogen. So we can separate the hydrogen from the uh, carbon on board. That's easy. That is used even in uh, automobiles. And then use the the pure hydrogen in the fuel cells for the shipping. Yes?
0: Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense how we can't use these, I guess, pure substances like hydrogen and ammonia So we have to couple them with other substances to create more stable compounds that can basically store the pure substances we use for power so that we can use them safely. My last question that relates to e-fuels is how these fuels compare to batteries. How can e-fuels be better than batteries in some cases or worse than batteries?
1: Yeah, because of the power-weight relationship. Batteries are uh, very heavy. And uh, space-consuming, when compared with uh, methanol, for instance, and the fuel cell system. When I when I said before, okay, the power ratio is very higher on hydrogen than in the batteries as it as it is today in the market. So let's not use hydrogen; only use batteries, even for shipping we would need to discover batteries that needed to be very light, very low space consuming, and very high powered. If we if we don't get to that point, hydrogen will be, or e-fuels will be always the best solution.
0: All right. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for explaining that. That makes a lot of sense. I want to move away from e-fuels now and talk about one of the most promising and interesting things about hydrogen. That hydrogen is almost entirely circular in its processes. It seems like you can reuse it forever. I talked about this in one of our first episodes ever, but basically, you can use electricity to create hydrogen out of water, and when you turn that hydrogen back into electricity, it just creates more water. So it seems like you can just continually do that forever. What are the benefits of using an energy storage system that is so circular and so recyclable?
1: Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's marvelous, isn't it? It's, it's I mean, spectacular. It, it always, it, and it has always been here, yeah? <laughs> so, I believe that uh, in the future, hydrogen systems will also be, you know, common use, uh, use as any other home appliance. So home appliances in the early days were very huge appliances. The freezer you have at home, your, your freeze, only hotels and rest big restaurants were allowed to use because they were very weight, very heavy and uh, space consuming, you know. And today you can get your freeze. Two guys transport uh, 280 liters of our freezer. It's very nice, and uh, the hydrogen will uh, hydrogen systems will go this path. I mean, everybody will have his uh, our own uh, hydrogen appliance at home. We will fabricate the hydrogen. We will use this hydrogen in our fuel cells at home or in the car, and uh, the water, you know, will be used to to fabricate more hydrogen and so on. So it's it's going to be. Home appliances as usual.
0: Okay, so when you're thinking about home appliances and having these hydrogen systems within our homes, could that be a solution to the problem of renewable energy intermittency when we have solar and wind plants that aren't producing energy all the time? Is that the field that we can solve?
1: One of our goals in Clear Energy is uh, metal hydrates. Once again, uh, we have to have sailor-proof systems, which which is in your home, children, your elders. If they do something wrong, the house does not explode. And this can be achieved by metal hydrates. You will not have high pressure at home because metal hydrates, you can use it as uh, 10 kilograms or even lower. These systems will allow you to store energy. Of course, let's say you have two panels, two solar panels at home. But uh, it will be your own system produce and your own system storage and your own system reuse of electricity. And that will end many wars and many problems of uh, supplying chains Of the fuels.
0: Yeah, that definitely would be a step in the right direction if we can do that. I'm not at all familiar with what a metal hydrate is. Can you just break down what that is and how it works with hydrogen?
1: Yes, you know, a metal hydrate or composites. It's like a sponge. Okay, in the simplest way for me to explain, it's like a sponge. You you put the sponge in water, and you open the sponge, and when you come out, and you bring out the sponge, it will bring the water with it, okay? If you squeeze it, then the water will come out, and the sponge will be useful again, okay? So the metal hydrate is the same. Metal hydrate adheres hydrogen, that's why the name. This um, chemical process allows uh, hydrogen atoms not to uh, bump around. To st- stay still. And uh, by staying still, it can pack more hydrogen I- atoms than in an open bottle. Okay,
0: cool. So, just to finish up this topic, what kind of form do these metal hydrates take? Is it a solid metal or is it something completely different?
1: It's a composite which they uh, grind like in a powder. And then this powder is compact into rods or, you know, some shapes. And they are put into the the, the canisters, we call canisters, metal hydrate canisters, to be useful. It's a powder that is compact.
0: Okay, perfect. So hydrogen as its base form goes into a compressed air canister. And like you said, if something goes wrong, kaboom, and that's not ideal. So instead you're encasing these metal hydrate cylinders and then the hydrogen can enter the cylinder and be stored just like normal.
1: Yes, yes. It takes more hydrogen in these metal hydrates than in a normal uh, high pressure bottle. I mean, the, the, the capacity are greater. So this, it's, a few, it's a few add-ons that, that we can gain with the metal hydrates.
0: Right, so it's actually even better at storage than the compressed canisters. You can fit more in the same place. So one of the last topics I want to touch on to end our conversation is, what are the biggest things holding hydrogen back?
1: In a, a larger picture, and especially here in, 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 in Portugal where I am, uh, uh, the political is uh, politicians are, are th- this focused there is um, a huge gap between the polit- political focus and the market needs what I, what I can speak of is that the, my experience here in this uh, Portuguese market for example they start to finance uh, centralized production I mean huge uh, hydrogen productions, okay, in two or three uh, cities. They finance the injection of this hydrogen uh, into the national uh, gas grid. The thing is that uh, the consumers are not ready to use this gas efficiency yet, not uh, with the fuel cells or even uh, boilers. So why are they starting by the end? I mean, uh, they are investing so many billion euros in production of hydrogen, and then nobody can use it. This is not uh, properly focused. What about now, the the rest of the country? All the big cities have hydrogen uh, gas grid, yes? But here, the the big cities have gas grid, but then the small towns and small villages don't have access to the grid. So, what about these guys? Uh, They're not you know, allowed to get the hydrogen, I think it's uh, the political is the, the main problem here.
0: Right. And that seems to be a common thread throughout renewables and energy storage, that the political side of things is sometimes lagging behind in places that are less open to change and less ready to transition to sustainability. And it sounds like Portugal isn't necessarily that case, that they are attempting to move towards sustainability but they're lacking the focus and direction that they need to do it properly.
1: The politicians, they need to put lobbies aside. Start supporting homeowners and small businesses to, to become self-sustained. This is uh, so simple, you know, so simple to, to be addressed. Because, uh, for instance, here in Portugal, the lobbies and the government, they, you as a consumer, every anyone, cannot install uh, more than 30 kilowatts production. Let's say you have a farm, you cannot install the the, the panels you you want to produce your own uh, hydrogen because uh, it's not a free market. You know, free market is free as long as you're okay technically, you're you're not disturbing or you're not going to cause explosions or burns. And then uh, that that is a free market. But here you can only uh, produce up to 30 kilowatts. And that is a problem for the free market.
0: So how can we work to fix that on a systemic level and as individuals? What can we do to push that forward and make sure that it's going in the right direction at the same time?
1: Geopolitic nature is taking care of things, uh, Avery. Unfortunately, wars are not good, will never be good, but force people to stop and think their their uh, their perspectives. And what's going on now in Europe concerning the uh, Russia uh, natural gas supply is uh, will I hope will uh, will make the politicians stop and uh, you know the higher politicians, not the local ones like Portuguese, the European politicians, uh, stop and think, listen, you stop this nonsense. Get, uh, make the, the the market free. Stop the nonsense of the lobbying and allow people to produce hydrogen and produce solar and be sustainable. And that, unfortunately, history tells us that uh, wars brought some fresh starts to humankind. Unfortunately.
0: Okay, I wanted to make a quick note here because context is very important. This was recorded February 24th, 2022, before too many egregious war crimes were committed. Just in case in some post-apocalyptic world you're listening to this and thinking, well, it doesn't seem like anyone learned anything from the Russian-Ukraine conflict, except that bombs blow stuff up real good. I don't think Eduardo is meaning to find a silver lining to any kind of war or conflict, he's just estimating that the strain on our natural resources caused by these conflicts that we're seeing right now, will awaken some people to the issues that may have been easier to ignore in easier times. Right, so that's probably not the ideal way to get there, but I guess what it really comes down to is hoping that at some point someone will just have to step up and be the one to put money and special interests aside and just focus on the needs of the planet and the planet's people.
1: Yeah even if there were no war even if there were only the, the 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 stopping of the the natural gas from coming to europe i hope it will start these uh, politicians in the the big offices that to stop the lobbies that is the most important
0: right yeah my last big question for you today is Hydrogen is a rapidly advancing field. In the last half decade or decade, it has really accelerated, even though the base technology has been around for a while. With that comes a lot of different companies trying to get into the market and capitalize on that acceleration. What are the advantages and disadvantages of having so many different companies working on same or similar problems?
1: I see. It's a good question. Let's take a look back once again to history to uh, automobile industry you know uh, there were a lot of uh, brands automobile brands so it's the rise of many companies is normal and and in my perspective is healthy and much needed to boost the, the value chain so it's not because there are too many so many brands that the market is not going to go forward. Uh, it's the opposite. Because there are many brands, the market will, will, will boost forward.
0: Okay, and why is that? Just because of the basic principle of competition? It keeps getting better as companies compete to be the best in the field?
1: Yes, uh, that and, uh, and the, the consumers can choose from the best technical solutions. If you have three or four technical solutions, although they might be different, the market will choose the best technical solution a long run.
0: All right, that's a perfect place to wrap up the bulk of our conversation today. I have a couple of rapid-fire questions that I want you to answer as fast as you can if you have the time for it. If you're ready to go, my first question is, even though we didn't really get into the other fields like renewables and energy efficiency, but you do work in hydrogen, renewables, and efficiency, which would you say is the most important to push forward?
1: Right now, uh, we are addressing education. And uh, the education sensor, se- sector with a sense of uh, urgency. And, uh, and of course, for that, I, once more, I, I thank you for, for your interest. Politicians must, must understand that the climate targets are slowed down due to the shortage of capable manpower you will need manpower for this uh, fuel transition so uh, together with a partner in, uh, in in germany berlin we are able to supply schools and universities and research centers and educational institutes with the best system to learn learn by doing so these are uh, these are very nice uh, simulators for schools and universities and so on, as I said. They are very nice uh, to study and to practice and to learn rapidly. That's, that's how we will bring hydrogen and, uh, and the fuel transition up to date uh, rapidly.
0: That's amazing. So we don't have to necessarily focus on one of these three kind of aspects what we need to do is make sure that everyone is aware of the problem and the solutions to the problem so that we can bring in more people and make an even bigger difference. My next question is What is one thing that we should focus on to push for sustainability? And I know this is very close to the previous question, so it can be the same answer if you want.
1: No, I mean, uh, resuming, let's say we need to focus on carbon and hydrogen issue. Those are the two things. Because uh, uh, photovoltaic uh, panels and uh, aeolic generators are all well studied. So the, the next focus should be on carbon and hydrogen. These, these two should be the next issues to be uh, addressed very quickly.
0: Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because along with this conversation, a few of the last interviews I've done have centered a lot on carbon markets and discussing how we can establish a carbon and hydrogen marketplace where we can buy and sell things just like we do with fossil fuels and really emphasizing just how important that could be to our
1: future. That is correct. I mean, uh, you need to pay your, your taxes by carbon and you need to be uh, to be paid by the carbon you capture that is very important i agree with that my friend
0: yeah definitely my next question is simply what's your favorite part of your job
1: my favorite part is uh, is research i'm a researcher myself i have two patents i have uh, several industrial designs all in the into circular economy what I like to do is research.
0: Awesome. Great answer. My next question, and we already did talk about this, so you can summarize the points from before if you want. Batteries or hydrogen and why?
1: Let's say up to up to 15 kilowatts, I should say, batteries. From uh, 15, 50 kilowatts, a buffer battery, Uh, let's say 15 to 20 kilowatts battery and the rest in the surplus in in hydrogen and from from there up uh, the best thing for me would be a buffer battery hydrogen hydrogen fuel cell
0: perfect great summary just to reiterate that's based on that power to rate to mass ratio that we talked about before right
1: Yes, power to mass, yes, yes.
0: My last question that I have for you today is, based on your personal experience and everything you've been working on, do you believe that we can still reach the targets that are set out by the IPCC and the UN? Is that still possible?
1: Uh, If lobbies are set aside, yes.
0: Okay, and where can listeners find you and Clear Energy to find out more about this?
1: Yes, uh, uh we are a, st- a startup company and uh, we are uh, building up our website, making changes to the website. But uh, clear clear energy altogether.pt Papatango.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and teaching me about e-fuels and everything else that we discussed. I really had no idea what an e-fuel was before today. So thank you so much Eduardo.
1: Uh, No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having
0: me. All right. What a great conversation to add to the catalog. Thanks for listening through the whole thing. I hope you enjoyed it. It's kind of reawakened the excitement for the potential of hydrogen. I keep coming back to hydrogen as the simple but effective solution to all of our problems. I mean, not literally, of course, but it seems like it could really help move the transition to a carbon-free world a lot faster, so I do think it's something that we need to keep devoting time and effort to. Another big thanks to Eduardo, and thanks to you for supporting this show. It means a lot for you to show up and listen all the way through, and it makes it worth it to keep producing more. As we start to approach the end of Season 2, I want to remind you that there are a couple of ways you can help keep this show running. Starting with the easiest, which is to simply subscribe to our email newsletter. It's free, it's a weekly email that goes out to let you know when a new episode comes out, and it allows you to enter giveaways exclusive to email subscribers. Another way is to buy from Tentree by using the link in the show notes. Their products are the highest quality around, and they're one of the companies most devoted to lowering their climate impact. They are a carbon-neutral company from production to shipping. They emit no unaccounted-for greenhouse gases. And on top of that, they plant 10 trees for every single product that you buy. Visit their site by the link in the show notes. And use discount code TB25, that's TB25, to get 10% off your order. And finally, if you feel like donating directly to the show, you can find our Patreon page in the show notes or at patreon.com slash innovating a bright future. You can make a monthly donation for any amount you like for however many months you want. It's up to you. That's everything for this week. Again, thank you for being here. You are the reason this show exists. Stay innovative. I'll see you next week.